Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We first met Tim Sandifer years ago. He was a caller. He would call into the show when we were really wrong about something and straighten us out. He was Tim the lawyer. And, <laughs> he had uh, a gentle touch. He had a gentle touch, and we liked him. We started having him as a guest, and uh, Tim Sandifer is his real name, not just Tim the lawyer. And, and he's become a friend of the show, and... Uh, he writes books, and he's and, and George Will called him a national treasure. Well, then he met a gal, sweet gal, along the way, and uh, married Christina the lawyer, and Christina Sandifer, we also have on the show regular, regularly, and we're about to. But before we get her on, uh, I saw she retweeted this yesterday about boycotting the Olympics in China, and she agreed that the Olympics should not be a platform for an authoritarian regime to showcase itself while persuading the rest of the world to ignore genocide. I think we were talking earlier about the... First of all, the popularity of China in the United States has just gone off a cliff. The number of people that have a positive view of China is now 22%. Um, it's doubled the number of people in the United States who think China is our number one enemy. All of this has happened in just a short amount of time. And we were talking about how various businesses and parts of society are going to have to disentangle from China. I think Hollywood's going to have to. The NBA is going to have to. I'll bet Apple has to at some point. Oh, dozens and dozens and dozens of major international brands and American brands in particular are going to have to go through uh, enormously challenging uh, roads to decouple from China. And before we get to next year's Olympics in China, I think it will become very clear to everyone the idea of having Olympics in a country where they have millions of slaves is insane. Uh, well, let's let's welcome Christina Sandifer into the conversation. Christina is the executive vice president for the Goldwater Institute. She develops policies, litigates cases, advancing healthcare freedom, free enterprise, private property rights, free speech, taxpayer rights, and more. Christina, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a while. Good yeah, to be it's back. Been, thank you. It's been too long. Jack actually just stole my thunder. I was going to point out if China were merely engaged in. Uh, genocide, they'd be a better country than they are because they're simultaneously engaged in genocide and slave driving on a scale that, you know, 17th century America could hardly dream of. You know, it is unconscionable. I, I know we have a lot to talk about in a short amount of time, but I'll tell you, I think it's unconscionable for Americans, for the United States as a country to to participate in this, to act like everything's fine, to show up and smile and play sports amongst uh, people who are, as you say, literally enslaving their people. Um, and it really provides some perspective. You know, it's amazing how focused people are today in the United States on the things that we don't have here and that, you know, we don't have equality among the sexes and, and the races. And I am all, I always believe that we should always strive to do better to extend the American dream to everyone. But while we are saying those things here, people are literally slaves in their own homes. Women, I mean, to be a woman in China, to be a little girl born in China, you, you may not even, you may not even see adulthood. Uh, it's, it's just incredible. And Americans need to wake up and understand that. Yeah, we, we talk regularly about how it's weird looking back that they had the Olympics in Berlin with Hitler there in the stands in 1936. Yeah. But this would be like having the Olympics in 1943 in, in, in Berlin when we, every, when the world knows what's going on. It would be crazy. 
I, I completely agree. Could not agree more. But, you know, they, they don't call me when they make these decisions. <laughs> no, no, nor us. So, Christina, we know that you and our friends at Pacific Legal Foundation are involved in quite an important case in front of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, this week. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, you know, your your legislators out in California are screwing things up again. Um, they passed a law that went into effect, effect last year that says that all publicly traded companies that are either incorporated or even just headquartered in the state of California have to have a minimum number of women on their boards. And so the number starts at one and it goes up based on, on the size of the board. And if you don't comply, your company is going to be subject to all of these fines. And you also end up on a government list so that everybody you know, can chastise you and talk about how terrible and sexist your company is. And and really, at the end of the day, I mean, th- I mean, this is a gender quota, and it forces the people who vote for board members, so corporate shareholders, to discriminate under law. It forces them to take a candidate's sex into account every single time they vote for a board member. And so, you know, our, our friends at PLF and, and uh, at the Goldwater Institute here, we We've gotten involved. Um, we, we've sued the state. We're, we're uh, filed a brief in the case, but because this violates the Equal Protection Clause, it is literally forced discrimination. The Constitution says that you can't force people uh, to make decisions on the basis of sex. And so it's illegal, but I actually think it's just incredibly patronizing to women and incredibly mm-hmm. immoral for all of these men. I mean, sorry to say, but a male-dominated California legislature to tell me where my place is and how many people that that look or seem like me ought to be on corporate boards. Who's throwing money behind uh, both sides of this argument? Do you know? Well, you know, it's always it's always a little bit hard to to follow the money trail. But I think this is really part of um, just this general sort of growing, you know, left-leaning concern about that we need to we need to socially engineer exactly, you know, how many women, how many people of a certain race that we have in every single circumstance and, you know, and on boards and in companies and it's part of this just general strive to be to be woke and to, you know, sure. uh and so um so, you know, it's it's um it's definitely um it's definitely something that the left has been focusing on and I think that California is only I mean California's the first state to do this, but they're not going to be the last. Right. You know, sometimes I'm afraid we're a little too hip for the room in terms of being lovers of liberty, especially as people come out of public schools and and take in the mainstream media. Can you help somebody who's thinking, well, wait a minute, more women's on women's. Listen to me like I'm an old blues singer. Uh, more women on boards of directors. <laughs> I got me some women's. <laughs> exactly. Nah, nah, nah. Um, more women is, is great. I mean, I'm pro woman. I have a couple of daughters. Uh, this seems like a good policy. What's the what's What's the liberty-loving argument for getting the government the hell out of these decisions? Yeah, and, you know, as a woman, I will say, and, and as a woman who has chosen to, you know, to be an executive leadership in an organization, it does make me happy to see that, you know, women are making tremendous gains in business leadership. There are more women now that own their own businesses or that are sitting on boards um, and, and that are CEOs than ever before. I think it's wonderful. I think it provides a great role model for young women that, you know, the American dream is available to them and they can be anything. The problem is that these laws are not based in reality. The study after study has shown that it is almost never, it is very rare that it is a case of genuine discrimination 
um, that, you know, a, a woman may not be on a board or that women may be, quote unquote, underrepresented on a board. The truth is that women tend to prefer flexibility. Um, women are increasingly choosing to work in, you know, the gig economy. So to, to drive for Uber or Lyft or, or to sell things on, on Etsy, um, women tend to prefer flexibility so that they can, you know, either take care of their families um, or just have different hours. Uh, men tend to prefer your typical nine to five and, and they look at higher pay and women look at benefits. And that is just a, on average, that's certainly not every woman. It's certainly not me, but it's women. It's mostly women's choices that are putting them in the situations that they're in. And that's not, who is government to say that that's good or bad? And frankly, the degree of hubris is breathtaking to me that government is to look at a board and say, okay, there should be one woman on this board. I mean, really, what is the right number of women? How many women should yeah, be on right. a board? How can government know that? Why just one? Why don't why not don't we say at least fifty percent? You know? Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, when we set these gender quotas that ignore women's preferences, we're also treating women as victims. And we are sending to me a very terrible message, a message of despair to young women. We're telling them that you know, you cannot, without government's help, make it to be a CEO or make it on a board. And women, as you know, so that companies can check these boxes and avoid these fines, they're just going to be appointed as tokens for the sake of compliance. And that actually reinforces stereotypes. Sure, of course it does. Harder. So, so the, the first board meeting you'd have, you'd have the women in there that are either subtly or, or, or overtly treated as the only reason you're here is they had to put you here by law. <laughs> Absolutely. And that may or may not be, in, in, you know, the reality, but that's how it's going to come off. And, you know, studies have shown this, that that. Women who are hired under a quota system as opposed to merit, regardless of whether they actually do deserve to be there, they're branded with a stigma of incompetence. Um, and it makes it difficult for them to be treated ser- seriously. And, and to That's my that autobiography part. title, by the way, Branded with the Stigma of Incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's surprisingly a uh, fun read. Uh, Christina Sandifer's executive vice president at the Goldwater Institute. You know, Christina, those are some absolutely great arguments on the merits. I feel a little uncomfortable even arguing it on the merits. And let me, let me illustrate it for people. Long ago, Jack and I came up with this policy about the show because we have a kind of our inner circle and the people who help on the show and and once or twice certain rogue members of the team way back in the day like we would have a question about all right uh, and i'm just going to pick up some, something ridiculous because this is not the point but uh, should we talk about politics two segments in a row and that person took it upon themselves to go to various management personages and say, hey, A&G are wondering, should they do two politics segments in a row? And then all of a sudden, you have the heavy belligerent hand of management that you have permitted into the conversation. And I think that the, the gut level understanding people ought to have is for the love of of James Madison do not invite the government into a room it should not be because they will never leave their hand is heavy and cruel and stupid and generally they'll end up taxing you You're somehow absolutely right well look this is March is women's history month right so we let's let's look at herstory I'm sorry or herkstory yeah. uh, you're not going to say herstory <laughs> history on this uh, show you know yeah, enough I'm, hate I'm, speech I'm, Christina I'm triggered 
That is true. I, you know, I, I tend to, I tend to do that, although it's not, it's not uh, the, the women that I'm triggering typically it's because I'm a libertarian, so I'm triggering the lefties, but. So let's try it uh, again. But, March is women's herkstry month. March is whatever you want to call it. It is women's <laughs> month, right? But, but seriously though, you, you, what your, your point is well taken because it, you know, in the not too distant past, Gender discrimination was actually legally institutionalized in a different way in our country. Every single state had laws on the books that would, you know, ban women from working in certain professions, things like teachers, lawyers, bartenders. They would ban married women from working or even owning property because they said once you're married, your job is to take care of your husband and raise your kids. Um, laws that impose maximum hours on how much women can work because women are fragile and, you know, they're not able to work as long as men. And literally in the 1960s, as late as the 1960s, over half of the states still excluded women from, uh, by law from doing some kind of work. And, and early feminists fought back against this and they said exactly what you said, that, you know, this, these laws are supposedly well-intentioned, that government's going to protect women. And they said, no. This is treating women as weak and incapable of making their own decisions, and it's telling us that we can't shape our own destinies. And women fought and fought and fought for true equality under the law. And now, you know, we basically have that, and now we're, we're turning back, and we've got, you know, predominantly folks on the left that are, are going back and inviting government back into our lives to tell us where we ought to be and what we ought to do. Interesting. Yep, well said. Christina Sandifer, Executive Vice President with the Goldwater Institute, fighting for your freedom all the time. Christina, it's been too long. It won't be so long. The next time, it's great to talk to you. Hey, so good. I appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you guys again. All right, thanks. I like the herkstry behind some of these stories. Oh, my God. You need to stop. All right, you're going to make me vomit. Nobody wants me to vomit. Set up some sort of family family guy-style chain (laughs) vomitosis. Nobody wants that. Herkstery, shut up. Um, clearly, we are not doing the Olympics in China. I mean, that just will not happen. I, I would bet anybody a thousand bucks. The United States will not participate in Olympics in Beijing. I pray you're right. Will other countries? I don't know. That'll be an interesting test. That might be the first big test on the world stage. Of, are you with us? Are you with them? I mean, your Chinese client states in Africa and, and, and South America or whatever, including Ethiopia, where Dr. Dumb dumb is with the WHO. Um, well, they they'll will, but, show up. Well, what about Britain, Germany, France? Surely the EU will not. Can't. No. We'll see. This could be a big test. Anyway, text line 415-295-KFTC. Much to come. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I seen what rushing into a proposal in marriage can do in my family. Mm-hmm. And it's ugly. And it's not something I want for you or for us. And that's why I can't propose to you today. But that doesn't mean I want to lose you. I want to leave here with you. And the truth is that I love you. I'm in love with you, and I do see you as my wife. I see you as the mother of my kids. I see those kids being crazy. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) 
But not enough to... Pro- so The Bachelor ended with him not proposing to her? Yeah. I just I'm not there yet. And so then they had the after the love when they get back together again, and this is only a couple seconds long. Where do things stand now between you and Rachel? There's a lot of work that needs to be done. <laughs> I have to take a step back and allow her to put in that work. And I'm looking forward to seeing her put in that work. So you all are no longer together? We're not. And it's, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> What was that about? She's got a lot of work to do. She, I'm looking forward to watching her put in that work. What are you trying to say? So this this girl that I knew for a couple of weeks on a TV show, I decided not to marry her. And are you together now? No, 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 no. Nah. Well, I liked how you protested when he didn't propose to her. That was the first sane thing I've heard out of the Well, yeah, show. I'm just surprised that doesn't happen always. I think the floodgate's been open now. Where yeah. That's an option? I didn't know that was an option. Uh, for so, me to propose to you right now would be patently insane. So I can hook up with all these chicks, sit in the hot tub with them and everything like that, and then at the end just say, nice to, nice to have met you all, and go, go back home. <laughs> yeah, hey, maybe we ought to get together again after this is done. Wait a minute, you're not marrying me? What? <laughs> no, of course not. I barely know that you. That would be crazy. Right? You want to go out to dinner maybe or something? I'm willing to do that. Now... She's got a lot of work to do, and I'm looking forward to watching her do that work. You're a piece of work. Taking a look at the stats, The Bachelor's sporting about a 12% success rate as as of this time. Boy, surprising. Not surprising. (laughs) Coming up, HBO thinks they know who Q is. (gasps) Joe gasped. It's, it's, It's me. I'm Q. You're Q? I'm Q. And you come to the secret this whole time. That would have been so good for our ratings if you had mentioned you were Q all along. It hadn't occurred to me. It's a good point. The day of the storming of the Capitol, you were like typing around on the keyboard. I didn't know what you were doing. Oh, yeah. I was telling people, go home. You're crazy. This has gone too far. I just I probably should have said something. Who's I'm Q? Sorry. We now know. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. Conspiracies. Um, so is the O on or off? If you've got a little toggle switch on the back of something and there's an O and a line, which one is on and which one is off? The O is off, according to the, the internet. The O is off. Yes. It's a okay. zero, not an O. Off. What the hell does that mean, Daryl? Angry what? email. Why didn't it's it... not an O and a line. It's a zero and a one. Computers are binary. Zero off, one on. That's not intuitive to me. Why didn't they come up with something more intuitive? Like a tiny little on and off. Like every th- every switch that had ever existed my entire life had on or off in tiny print. Or but, the time-honored on is up, off is down. Um, yeah. International manufacturing might have some reason why that's English decent. letters aren't the, that's, the default. That's decent. But even... <laughs> I mean, I'm glad the um, various other international symbols aren't... So if you're choking, dance like this. <laughs> Make a line with your hand. <laughs> no, yeah. you do something that indicates on or off. Anyway, so HBO has, uh, first of all, it's the, the end of this story is we guessed right all along. I think you talked about this a couple of weeks ago on what's going on with QAnon. Okay. HBO has got a cool documentary coming out. 
shot over the last three years. They've been on this story for a long time, long before they ever knew there was going to be a storming of the Capitol, that QAnon would become near as big a deal as it has. They've been working on this for three years. The excellent Q into the storm, it says here by this reviewer, starts March 21st on HBO. It's a six-part series. Is a complex story about free speech, social media, anti-establishment fury, white national intolerance, crackpot fantasy, and anarchist villainy. Sounds great. Um, And they reveal the apparent identity of Q himself, Ron Watkins. I know it! I know it! Ron Watkins! That bastard! At SOB! (laughs) That was the guy we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, Well, I'll read on. The docuseries focuses on a collection of out-there individuals beginning in the premiere's opening scene with Ron Watkins, the administrator of 8chan, and Everything Goes message board that was owned by his father, Jim Watkins. Now, his dad, Jim, made money on a pig farm and local retail shops. trust a man with a pig farm. Interesting. Uh, so Jim Watkins made his money through a pig farm, local retail shops, and by hosting websites in places like the Philippines, where they weren't beholden to other nations' laws. And one of those platforms was 8chan, which Jim purchased from a guy who was a disabled man who created the site when he was 19 before selling it to Jim. I kind of remember that story a little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was featured on some interviews about 8chan as all yeah. this stuff started popping up. But yeah, he he sold it and then got hired on as some sort of administrator or something. What's the old man's business card say? Hogs and alternate websites? <laughs> That's an interesting, uh, you know, line of work. Hogs and weird conspiracies. Yeah. 8chan was an image board where anonymous users could indulge in unbridled free speech, including memes, photos, and diatribes about what, about white nationalism, sexism, racism, or any other ugly or deviant thing that's technically permitted by the First Amendment. It was there that following a brief stint on 4chan, its more moderated ancestor, Q took up permanent residence. Again, that's the son. Claiming to be a military insider with Q-level clearance who was supposedly close to Trump, Q made regular posts known as Q-drops that were full of coded warnings and premonitions about the coming storm that would unmask the deep state and lead to the arrest, trial, and execution of alleged liberal criminals. Adherents began going on digs, i.e. research and analysis, to decipher the meanings of these messages. I've never understood why, if Q wanted to let you know, he wouldn't just state it in a very clear declarative sentence. Why the breadcrumbs? Why, you know, why the code? It's so interesting, and someday maybe we'll we'll have authoritative word on who gets into this stuff and who doesn't. Early on, we had a listener send us one of the first Q drops, one of the early ones, and and I printed it and I put it aside because it was a prediction that around August the 4th, you're going to see this. And I thought, hmm, well, either we are or we aren't. So I, I printed it and put it aside. But one thing that struck me immediately was, why why is this so mysterious why does it sound like a tease mm-hmm. yeah if you're if you're an insider that's concerned about the government and you're trying to alert people to to all kinds of malfeasance why wouldn't you just state it you could remain anonymous but making them solve a riddle to right. save the country yeah well, Dan, when daniel ellsberg published the pentagon papers he didn't say guys i found a trove of papers about a certain war and a certain secretary of war who, well, I can't say it, but on August the 4th, I'll let you... Come on. He just published it. Right. Um. Yeah. Well, I think we've said it, but it, it is really an interesting question. 
Um, then they would repost their conjecture when they were trying to guess the meaning of these messages in an effort to crowdsource further answers. As Q into the storm defines it, QAnon was part interactive game, part religion, part political movement. Q's subsequent missives were eagerly received by 8chan denizens, fueling the site's popularity and spawning a cottage industry around his every word, courtesy of various Q-tubers. There's a bunch of, I guess these are well-known names, who put out YouTube videos explaining what this latest breadcrumb meant, Hmm. um, all of whom wax rhapsodic about the movement. Just quick aside, what does wax rhapsodic mean? Is that a f- it means you unleash rhapsodies. You are hot. You praise it highly and in poetic ways. Okay. Yeah, it's a cliche, really, but that's what it means. Okay. Um, uh, over the course of six installment, installments, the docuseries dives headfirst into what appears to be a prank gone awry. That's what we've been saying for a long time. You were jerking people around, and it got out of hand, and you kind of rode the tiger for a while, and then it got crazy out of hand. And then, as we all know, like the day after the 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 capital was stormed, they were kind of out. Like that's it, no more messages. Well, and Watkins, Take it easy, you, everybody. I, I, I didn't want to steal your thunder. Do you have his his missive that he unleashed uh, after the capital got stormed? I don't stormed? think it's in this article. No. no, he he essentially said, "Hey, everybody." Go home. Go home now, peacefully. Let's move on with our lives. This has been fun, but hey, let's look to the future, huh? And it absolutely sounded like a guy who regretted what he had uh, accidentally unleashed. A prank gone awry with Q metastasizing from an online LARP, or LARP, which is live-action role-playing game. It turned into a feedback loop-fed crusade embraced by nihilist loons and promoted by anti-democratic right-wingers. Across the country, and it's well, finally, that's that's, that's kind of biased, but we can return to that in a minute if you want. In its final installment, which concludes shortly after the January sixth riots, in which the uh, uh, guy who made this documentary is right alongside Jim, camera in tow at the Capitol, uh, they point the finger at Watkins as the mastermind in this Q ruse. Although he was a mastermind of something, I mean, he didn't have any expectation that it was going to become this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I was going to be a little more charitable about at least some of the more sane followers of of QAnon and this sort of thing, the government has way too much power. There is an enormous entrenched bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. The government has become the government's most popular or uh, powerful lobbyist. Let me get that sentence right. The government itself is one of the most powerful lobbyists of the government. And that's unhealthy. It's it's incestuous and expensive, and it, it rests the power away from the people. All these things are true. And this was allegedly a lifeline, a, a way to resist it. Okay, that's true. But if you came across one sentence about a global pedophilia cabal that included Hillary Clinton, and you stuck with it, you're a moron. Mm, that was uncharitable. Or really desperately needing an ideology. Yes. Yeah. Maybe a I'm little, sorry. a little credulous. That's that's why it <laughs> seems so weird to me. If if he had made it more realistic, I could put some blame on him for like trying to create a movement that was going to do violence. But he made it so out there and crazy. He had to think there aren't, people aren't going to buy this. Right. That they're going to arrest. Everybody's going to be arrested up there on the podium, and Donald Trump's going to be put... I mean, how did you think that was going to happen? 
Well, I'm looking for this guy to make a major statement. I mean, what was his intent? Was he just, was he a writer of fiction? Uh, was his idea, I'm just going to create this fictional universe, and then, oh my gosh, people are messaging me. And he just, uh, what was his purpose in the really nutty stuff? If it had just been what you were talking about there, I could have bought into it wholeheartedly. Although, still, the whole breadcrumbs riddles thing is confusing. Yeah, well, I that's but I think it's difficult for those those of us who have like a big throbbing skepticism gene to understand people who don't. They just they don't see the world the same way a guy like me does. Most world leaders are baby eating pedophiles. (laughs) How skeptical do you have to be? (laughs) More skeptical than they are. If you're a pedophile, why are you eating the kid? <laughs> Sorry, that's too dark even for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, I think good people with good intentions got duped. And I'm more interested in understanding them than bad-mouthing them, like Jack here, who's a cruel, harsh person. What God knows what he's doing in the basement of Pizza Huts or whatever. <laughs> I can I can't, It's too dark. I can't go there. I want to. This guy's got to speak out though, doesn't he? Ron Watkins. Yeah. Or is he afraid he, he's guilty of inciting something? He might be. Although, nah, free speech. Nah, I. I would have to dig into it a little bit more. But I think his his uh, defense would be pretty strong. I mean, H.G. Wells, or would, Orson Wells, rather, was not, uh, you know. Did he get prosecuted for the War of the Worlds thing back in the day? I know he was under a lot of heat there for a while. I don't think so. For inciting panic. And the FCC passed a lot of regulations yeah, yeah, in the wake yeah, of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Ron Watkins, QAnon, his always ideas, he came with this. Uh, Hogs. Is he, is he guilty? Of any, oh, I guarantee he's been talking to lawyers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He sure shut her down quick. The day after. Yeah, this has been fun. Um, Kind of a kind of just a ruse, though. So anyway, <laughs> thanks for all the emails, everybody. <laughs> all the messages. Did he make hey, any money off of it? Oh, people made loads well, I know, of money. I know, people, of money. I know other people did, but did he? I don't know. I don't I don't know that I haven't seen any hook where he'd have made any money. A lot of other people claiming to be part of it made money. I saw that. I, I don't know if 8chan has ads, but by making his site a very popular visit thing, he could have kind of backdoored his way into money from that. But I don't think he was directly selling like subscriptions or right. merch or anything like that. Merch. No, he should have been. He's yeah, a fool so, if he so wasn't. Somebody was making money off yeah. all those T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you go down that rabbit hole? And, and why do you think that is? And uh, what comment do you have on the whole thing? Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Drop us an email. Everything will be anonymous. Q anonymous. Uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or text line today, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As usual, lots of people weighing in on why it's a zero and a, and a slash, and there's like 
ten different authoritative reasons. Look, I'm an engineer, and this is why it's this way. And, and anybody who claims otherwise is an idiot. Look, my brother designs computers, and this is why it's this way. So you just got to remember, O means off, not on. Yes. Got this note from Charlie. It's a musical email. <clears throat> There's a hole in the crowd where Q once was. Somebody's making money. But that hole in the side where the tree once was. Somebody's making money. On your feet. <laughs> Sing along. Hey, this is a big story. We should have gotten this on. San, San Diego County judge issued a temporary restraining order Monday blocking Cal Unicornia from enforcing a wide swath of rules that limit and regulate school openings, saying that the state has denied children the right to an education by forcing many to stay in mm. online learning. That's good. Judge Cynthia Freeland granted the restraining order to a group of North County parents who sued several state leaders last month to overturn the school reopening framework rules. Lawsuit argued the rules were unfairly preventing schools from reopening and that children were suffering because of school closures. And all of that was before the increasingly undeniable scientific data that three feet is plenty. Plenty of separation, plenty of social distancing, plus the kids are fine anyway. Unbelievable. Uh, Colorado and Nebraska are battling over a meatless Saturday. Two state governors are pushing meatless Saturdays. Really? To try to encourage vegetarianism. I can't believe they're going to encourage vegetarianism in Nebraska. That doesn't seem like that's going to fly with most people. Well, on Saturday's the steak grillingest day of the week. Are you kidding? Right. Meat, don't do it. So the Colorado Cattlemen's Association has declared Saturday Meatland Day. Meatland? M-E-A-T-L. Is that an L? Yeah, M-E-A-T-L-N, Meatland Day. <laughs> okay. What? So instead of it being a meat-free Saturday, meat-out day, it's a Meatland Day. People want the beef. You, you need a better slogan. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I agree with you, and I want a big whole steak, but I don't know, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know what that word is. Yeah. Okay. So you can get people to storm the Capitol over all that QAnon nonsense and the misplaced idea that Mike Pence can overturn the election, but you can't get people to march to get the schools open. Correct. It's a little discouraging. Yeah. You know, if I had been, what's his name? L. Ron Hubbard? Watkins? Watkins, Ron Watkins. Um, if I had been him, I would have turned it towards some sort of good. Q really wants the schools open. It's the key to everything. Oh, wow. March in front of your uh, teacher's union. Yeah, but that probably would have discredited anybody who wanted the schools open. Mm. Armstrong and Getty, you have disappointed me for the last time. These are your final thoughts. <laughs> Wow. That's my favorite one. Uh, here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. That was pretty good. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He's our technical director. He's pressing the buttons. Michelangelo, final thought? Uh, yeah. Can I buy you and your friend a strawberry Capri Sun? Or do you want a dessert drink like a chocolate Yoo-Hoo? This is what you're going to hear at these new alcoholic bars. Not cool at all. Mm. No. A Capri Ooh. Sun. Positive Sean, our producer, has a final thought. Sean? Yes, I was disappointed as a, almost a 40-year-old uh, adult that the uh, Justice League Snyder Cut, the four-hour version, was not immediately, immediately available for me to stream when I got home yesterday. I need to wait until Thursday, and I hate waiting. <laughs> 
Jack, a final thought to share with the crew? Do I tell my son that I was that stupid? Is that a good lesson? Or does he think less of his father? And I'd be better off having him have a little more respect for me. That's what I've got to figure out. Yeah, yeah, I'll let you uh, wrestle with that one. (laughs) I'm not sure which. My final thought is last night, somehow, while I was asleep, I was just devoured by a or several mosquitoes. Bites everywhere. Is it, can I get an alarm or like a watchdog or Have is there a pill? indoor living? Well, <laughs> I was indoors, damn it. I'm lying there helpless and I'm devoured by a parasite. This is, this is the 21st century. I'm an American. This should not happen. I'm not a cow in a field getting bit by flies. This sucks. You might have to get one of the old timey mosquito nets around your bed. Yeah, one of those malaria nets. Yeah. Like I'm living in, uh, you know, Malariaville. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Email us. Uh, you can mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We have all sorts of great uh, clicks for you under hot links. Fabulous swag you can buy. A&G t-shirts, that sort of thing. Helps us to keep the guys uh, on the payroll. We'd appreciate it. Armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, and we'll get into all, all the news and stuff. We got. A, I expect we're going to get emails or texts from people that got into the whole QAnon thing explaining why, which will be interesting. See you then. God bless America. Screw it. I'm leaving. It's more than a crisis. This is a human heartbreak. Go away. A lot of chicanery. Okay. If you're trying to have a good time, just come no matter what. Hand blowing. <laughs> Dogs. <laughs> Absolutely diabolical behavior. We just don't want to see that in this bizarre world. And I truly and deeply apologize for not it. Not sure I see how that connection is being made, Senator. On that high note? Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.